this is Liz. And this is Nick. <laughs> and this is Mark. And this is the Ultimate Inc. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Great job. <laughs> So, today we're with our friend Mark Polinski. What's up? Boo! <laughs> well, apparently Liz doesn't like Mark. That's fair. Mark um, is the reason that Nick and I met each other. That's true. Oh, wait. Maybe we can get Mark to tell the story from oh, his point of view. That's a great idea. We've told we've told this story before about how we met. But yeah, I think Mark fun. knows better than anybody and about our whole friendship and relationship. But I uh, I met Mark back in college, like, what, 10 years ago now? Uh, even more yeah, yeah we, we met we met what practice years. we did a lot of naked lap stuff general you know hijinks losing in everything possible together and then uh, you know we got we got okay to ultimate eventually yeah so mark is like my my best friend one of my best friends <gasps> from like oh i didn't say that out loud stop yeah, no, sorry really? sorry jack no um, <laughs> stop no really mark's one of my best friends from uh from college and he lives now finally after like years I'm less than a mile away from me, so we chill a decent amount now, which is awesome. I met Mark on Tinder. Wait, well, no. <laughs> Wait, really? Well, <laughs> kind I, I mean, of. yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, no, you, you knew who I was before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had like been connected. So I, when I was like first wanting to get back into Ultimate, a friend that I met in London connected me with Mark and one of our other good friends now, and um, we then we like. I saw him on Tinder and we started like just chatting because it was kind of funny. She was like, damn, he's like actually really good looking. <laughs> Joke's on her. <laughs> she didn't tell me in person, which is like not And then Mark true. is like, come play Frisbee. And I was like, okay. So I came and played Frisbee. That's what you told. That's when you told me about um, the first team we played on, which was the Yale School of the Environment intramural team. Wait, whoa. hey, whoa, whoa, dude. Wait, is like, this Frisbee like for three, real? Three-time champions? Yes, graduate um, school champions. You know, I mean, obviously the forestry school is going to be good at ultimate mm-hmm. um, <laughs> compared to like everybody else. It was not good ultimate. That's, we that's just like hucked it. Terrible, I just hucked honestly. it to Mark in the end zone over and over and over again. And then we became friends. Yeah, it was pretty fun, actually. Yeah. For us, not for everyone else. Yeah, we had a great time. We won the championship against the Divinity School. S- idiots. <laughs> Divinity School. We're gonna get canceled by the Divinity School of Yale. Oh. Sorry. They have a lot of power, I, I assume. I'm I just know. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a great game. So how did me and Nick meet each other? From my perspective? Yes, yes I would love to hear this story actually. All right. So <laughs> I'm very excited about this. We uh we were spending a weekend at my my parents' house in upstate New York, uh just you know, fishing, swimming, hanging out on the lake. And, um, you know, it got really rainy. So my friend brought this game. Uh, I forgot it was called Dicey. Yeah. So we're playing it. And then eventually Nick loses something. I forgot what also, it was. Also, I didn't like lose that bad. I like had the most different answer and it was the closest, but it was, it was, it was like over. It was a guessing game a guessing and game. it was over. Yeah. But like Every, he was by far the closest. Either way. But over by like a quarter. Literally, legally, I lost. But he did lose. He lost the game. He's the only person that lost. He did lose the game. And I don't even think this was the bet. But he had to uh, <laughs> go outside and swim in the lake like completely butt naked. So, you know, without missing a beat, he kind of just looked at us, looked around the table, stood up and just walked out silently. 
<laughs> jogged through the rain, took off all of his pants, showed his like his his tiny little hiney, and then <laughs> and then just jumped in the water and started swimming through this like nasty like mucky like seaweedy water. It was also like a gigantic storm outside. Yeah, no, it was it was pouring. It was like pitch black outside, it was, it and was, it was like four p.m. It was awesome. It was we were I went outside and it was so warm in that water. I was like, oh, this is. I thought it was gonna be cold as hell, but it was like really lovely actually yeah and then you know obviously liz the first thing that she thought was like wow this guy just nakedly jumped into the water with with no (laughs) no thought about his life or health uh wow that's pretty hot so (laughs) so uh (laughs) so next thing you know they're like driving back to to new haven together in his truck they bought plants together at a grocery store they're like that's true you guys thought that we thought that waggy is the best grocery store in the world yeah uh yeah and then um you know next thing i know nick is constantly visiting us in new haven by visiting us i mean he's uh visiting liz before telling me i had never visited mark once in new haven you'd you'd probably been like you've probably like two or three times before that but like now he's visiting new haven all the time and then you know 10 minutes before he leaves to drive back to new york he keeps going like Yo, Mark, you want to grab lunch? I'm like, dude, like, I'm in the middle of work. He's like, oh, I'm leaving right now. It's so cool to find out that you were in town. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then, you know, and then uh, they broke each other's hearts. I don't don't think we we were having this conversation this morning. I don't think we either one broke the other one's heart at all. We just like, we were just too far away from each other. Yeah. Like, we're just. Like New Haven and New York is not a close relationship. It's not relationship. that close, yeah. yeah. So we just kind of met other people right. on the same day. And then that was that. Yeah. Or met, you know. We and it blossomed into a, a lovely friendship. A lovely friendship, yes. But, um, but according but, to your parents, I broke Nick's heart and now they hate me. <laughs> oh, that's because I told them that. I know, and you I, did. And I perpetuate it, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, for so sure. that's okay. They're like... I just, we also, just really love, wanted it to work it. out. Like, he, I know. He flew a plane over their house once. Yeah. And my dad has never been more excited in his entire life. Oh he my like, gosh. He was like looking the wrong way the whole time. And he's like, oh, I saw the plane. Oh my God. Yeah. Mark's, Mark's parents met my boyfriend and they, I made a joke like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's, he's not as good as Nick as a joke. And then they without skipping a beat just started saying oh well we just have known him for a long time and we really love him and you know it's i'm sure you're great they said to connor but you know we just really love nick awesome to be fair connor is he's he's pretty great he's I'm awesome a, i love fan. Connor. I'm yeah connor's amazing yeah he's fine <laughs> Getting out. I really love Connor. <laughs> I'm meeting Laura for the first time today, Nick's girlfriend. Oh yeah, that's I hope she likes me. Sense. If she doesn't like me, that would be bad, right? Because then you won't be able to stay with me. Yeah, then like, I won't be able to like hang out with hang you out, yeah. and talk to you on the phone every day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna like be on my best behavior. I'm gonna really make sure Laura likes me a lot. Yeah, like you, more than you. You better use chopsticks pretty well too, because then I will judge you. We're going to. A- Korean barbecue place. Oh, I used to, we just chopped six yesterday when we had sushi. Oh, right. We did do that. We've been eating a lot of Asian food, apparently. So here we are in your new fancy schmancy New York City apartment. Oh, yeah. Do you want to tell the listeners about this apartment and the view that we have because they can't see it's us? It's beautiful. I actually like the view a lot. If you go out on the balcony, you can like see downtown Brooklyn. It's really cool. It is really cool, actually. It's really neat. It's, I, it's this place. is like we the story of us getting this apartment is kind of funny. We, uh, 
kind of just randomly started applying places and this one had like something like 42 applicants because are you serious we ended up getting it for maybe 20 or 30 percent less than it usually goes for because yeah. of the pandemic and like right, nobody right, wanted right, to live right, in brooklyn right, right? so it, this would not be in our budget otherwise um thanks pandemic think, well yeah i guess yeah. i guess one good we thing shout out to coven <laughs> yeah not really we can't say that but i mean overall the pandemic was pretty horrible but one good thing came out of it um and yeah so so uh we were one of like yeah like 42 applicants and then you know we ended up just getting really lucky to get to be one, the one that was chosen um and we were kind of in a panic because we needed to find a place asap so it worked out i remember this yeah it was it's pretty sweet i was so excited that you guys were moving to brooklyn because yes we have never lived after college. We had never lived in the same place, and it was it was exciting to. We live we live closer together now than we did in college because wow. I lived like oh, yeah, two miles true. off campus, and yeah, then you yeah, lived yeah. on campus. Yeah, so that is true. We literally live closer now than we did then. That's amazing. So, um, tell us what brought you to the city. Uh, so honestly, it was mostly my girlfriend. Um, so I have this awesome girlfriend. Her name is Tinley, mm. and uh, not an ultimate player, um, but an ultimate fan. Mm-hmm. Big um, ultimate fan and a work? disc golfer, and and a, and a now a disc golfer. Um, that's oh, that's right. taken yeah, some time. Yeah. She's she's gotten she's figuring it out. She's getting pretty good. Um, yeah. So so she is a is a PA. She works on in dermatology. She does like you know uh, uh, a lot of biopsies on on carcinogenic cells and stuff like that. But also she does a little bit of uh, more. Uh, I, I guess you could call it like um, aesthetic procedures or cosmetic procedures. Just a little bit of both, um, but it's all in New York. So I, I followed her because I work remote. Uh, I, and I just started a startup two days ago uh, trying to help people uh, shop for more sustainable goods uh, and make sure that what they buy is good for the planet. That's so cool. What is it called? Uh, yeah, so it's called it's called uh, Finch. And uh, we're pretty new. Uh, only been around for about a year now. So how does it work? Uh, so basically, you go on to... Uh, you know, Amazon or whatever website is going to be right now. We're only on Amazon, but we're hoping to expand soon. Um, and you say you're shopping for uh, shampoo, right? And you say this shampoo looks great. The shampoo that I like, uh, what we'll do is, we'll, is we will do some bunch of background calculations kind of based on a little bit of my, my PhD work actually. Um, and these background calculations will, will tell you like, Hey, you know, you can cut your total environmental footprint on this thing by X percent, or, you know, here's a better option. Uh, for you in terms of shampoo, uh, if you just click here, you know you can get this one that's maybe 20, 30% better for the environment and maybe cost the same. Right? That's so cool. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really cool idea. Um, and honestly, I think the more important thing is that hopefully it just, even if the footprint that you save in your personal life is a little bit smaller each time, uh, you know, you add it all up, you add up hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people, right? Uh, that's a major difference. And, and hopefully it does good for the planet. Hopefully, uh, the companies can learn how to do better um, and produce things with better ingredients and you know, better processes and you know less plastic and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more and, visible. Yeah, and, and it'll do it'll do better for the planet and better for the consumer. That's so cool, Mark. Um, is your company interested in being a sponsor of a <laughs> Ultimate <laughs> podcast that we don't really talk about Ultimate on? Oh, I, I will talk to our marketing team because <laughs> I don't really know at all what how they're doing that sounds like a hard yes to me (laughs) (laughs) nice fame and fortune finally in our midst we made you these stickers too one of them says before i forget 
One of them says, I love Tinley. That was a surprise. One of them says, Mark Falinski stinks. That's fair. And the other one says, the Ultimate Ink podcast. We made them with Nick's label maker. I think I'm going to keep the middle one. I'll let Tinley decide to do the bottom one. She'll probably put it on her forehead. Uh, the top one, I will stick on my shirt and wear every day with pride. Aw. Yeah. Super. Aww. Thanks for, uh, for bringing us everywhere with you. Yes. It's important to us. So... When we started talking a lot again after college was after my mom died and and you told me a lot about your mental health and like helped me make a decision about going to therapy and like and I'm really happy you're doing that still yeah I am I I was like so excited when you finally made that move yeah and I really you know you're one of the you were one of like you know three or four people that were really instrumental in me you know, starting therapy. And I guess I wanted to ask you, what's your relationship with therapy and, and, and your mental health? Um, I know that's a big question, oof, but where, yeah, where to start. Yeah. It's like, that's like the biggest question you could ask. Um, I guess I'll just ask, answer the first part at first is, uh, you know, I've been going to therapy now for, oof, I don't know, uh, three or four years. Um, sometimes I'll go once a month. Sometimes I'll go once a week. It's, you know, depending on whatever, um, but yeah, no, I, I, at first I started going and I started going cause, uh, uh an ex-girlfriend was like, you know, you gotta like kind of figure this stuff out. And I went, I was like, this is stupid. I'm not going to get anything out of this. Um, and I was like very like reserved. Didn't want to talk about anything. Just kind of like went in. I was like, I'm here cause I have to be here. Uh, I don't care. And then now, you know, I go into sessions and I'm like ready to go. And there's not enough time in the session for me to like talk about all the things I need to talk about because like I went from being a very like kind of emotionally reserved person, uh, not just my friends, but also the therapist to like kind of a little more open about these things now. Um, and honestly, if I hadn't gone to therapy for those first two years before I told you about it, I would I would have never admitted that I was going there and told you to do the same. Right. Yeah. I mean, when when we first started talking about this, I had no idea that you were in therapy at all. I was very, very private about it. Nobody yeah. knew. I mean, yeah, obviously there's a big stigma about it, but like, yeah, and even even more four or five years ago, right? Yeah. Like probably less now i think that i think the stigma is kind of going away slowly sure, but surely yeah, which yeah. is really really especially in new york right yeah like, which especially is, in our circle of people awesome thing like it's so good to see that 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 stigma has kind of started to disappear i think um, with men too i would imagine it's there's do you there's, think that there's true? a higher there's higher stigma to going to therapy is that what you're saying yeah maybe i'm not sure do you think that's true oh for sure yeah i think that it was i think that still now it's still tougher with men i mean there's a lot of men in my life you know the more like macho very like tough kind of dudes who like i'm not gonna tell them that i'm in therapy still right because like there is still this need to uh you know to look powerful masculine or whatever in that in that circle you know, this involves like my my family extended family involves a lot of a lot of friends or, or, and you know former co-workers uh that it's just that's that's a thing that they value and, and there are sometimes where i'm just like not gonna be I just have to like be selective about who I who I talk to about these kinds of things. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I had you know a similar beginning experience. I was really hesitant to go to therapy. I thought it was just you know for people who had really big problems. And I at the time, even though looking back, I know that I had big problems. I didn't think that I did, and so I was just like, well, this is not. I don't need this. You know, I can just tough it out and handle whatever's going on, and it's not a big deal. And I remember going to therapy in the beginning. I was like, oh, this is going to be useless. I don't, I don't need this, you know. And then I remember, you know, after like six months, I was like, oh, this is really awesome. You know, like I get to 
spend an hour once a week just like thinking about my own self and like what I'm doing with my life and not have to, I, I, I spend a lot of my time, you know, not worrying, but like thinking about my family and all the people that I love and all the people in my life and like how to make sure that they're doing well. Right. But there was never a time that I took to just be like, I'm going to sit down for an hour and think about my own life and like how to make sure that I'm being healthy with all the decisions that I'm making, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you went through this, um, but I definitely did where in the beginning, like they kept saying like, what's wrong? And I'm like, it doesn't matter because there are people dying of disease yeah, and there yeah. are people who are, you know, being like sexually abused and all these like really, really serious issues. And I was like, you know, I feel bad. And I come from a, a middle-class supportive family and I come from a, like, you know, I have an education and I have all these things. Like, why? I have no reason to be sad or angry or feel bad about myself. And so, me being here is pointless because people, there are other people that deserve this more than I do. Um, and this was like, that was like the, that took so long to get over. That um, took yeah. literally probably a year 100%. of time was to get over it and say like, you know, just because it's not the uh, biggest problem in the world doesn't mean it's not a problem at all. Right. You know? I, I still feel that way sometimes. I always like justify the things that I'm talking about with my th- with my therapist and with my like partner and with my friends and I go, Oh yeah. Like I feel like a little bit sad today because whatever, but like I have food and like I can eat every day. I have a meal in front of me every day and I have a house over my head. So like, it's not that bad, you know? And you know, it's true that it's not that bad, but I also am coming around to the idea that like, and I say this to other people who are not me is that, you know, whenever they have a problem, they're like, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. I was like, but, but it's something that you're feeling and that's still important even if it's not like life or death necessarily in this moment, right? It's anything that you're feeling, any negative or positive things are really important. Yeah, one of the breakthrough moments for me was like, so I'm a scientist, right? And like, you know, I very much respond to data and like to, to uh, you know, studies and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I will literally like read studies before I go into therapy to like figure out what's going on with me. It's That's a thing that I do. Uh, Liz is probably like, about to make fun of me for this, I, I imagine. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. no. I, know you, I know you do the same thing, don't you? My dad. Well, my dad's a psychiatrist, so I just ask him, <laughs> and he's a research psychiatrist. So I just, I'm like, hey, what's this? Or like, what, what does this mean? Or, yeah, like it's, it's like a <laughs> I thing. do the same thing. Yeah. The, the way that my therapist got through to me was actually she like she mentioned like yeah you know what that's true you 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 feel like there are people who have it worse than you and they should feel bad. And you know what? In a lot of cases, they have it worse than you and they don't feel as bad because there's, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And in his hierarchy of needs, right, a lot of your needs are met. You have shelter, you have food, you have water, you have a support system. So now you're looking for that next tier, right? And if that next tier has a lot of distress and issues involved with it, like you're going to feel like those needs are not being emotionally met and that's going to affect you, right? And, you know, I think those needs are being met, but it's just still not there. Whereas for other people, you know, their needs are like barely being met in these lower tiers and maybe they're not feeling as bad, um, even though, you know, on paper, yes, they are doing worse. Um, and that's totally legitimate to feel bad, even if you know that your needs are being better met than somebody else. Um, so and that, that that one got through to me because it was, you know, we learned about that. It it's like it's like 101, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Like. So it sounds like both of you were a bit hesitant to go to therapy first at first. But what made you decide that this was something you wanted to try out? Well, for me, um, I started going to therapy movie six months after my mom had died. And um, me and my girlfriend at the time, who's, you know, I'm still really tight with, 
she we were just having you know a lot of issues that stem from somebody's partner uh, somebody's mom dying you know like i was just you know angry at the world at the time and like kind of sad all the time and you know i was working really hard i was overworking myself i was working 18 hours a day partially because i needed to but also partially maybe to like not think about the stuff that was upsetting me and so you know i took a lot of my frustrations out like with her because she was the person that was closest to me and she was the person that would like sit down with me and listen to what i had to say you know and so she we were going through you know a rough a rough time after that and she was like maybe maybe you should consider going to therapy i was like no therapy's you know, not for me. Therapy's for girls. Or, yeah, or <laughs> therapy's kidding. for crazy people, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, like, definitely. You know, I didn't feel like I, I, it was necessary for me. And I don't know, I was talking to, I, I don't know, I don't remember how it came up, but I think it was because um, Mark knows Elizabeth and my relationship pretty well and knows us both. And so I was just talking to him about our... Not me, Elizabeth. Sorry, Elizabeth, my... <laughs> other, cool. my other ex-girlfriend cool. the other one the yeah. cool one and uh you know um he i think you know we we talked about how elizabeth was trying was like suggesting that i go to therapy and mark told me about his experience with therapy and how it was helping him and so i think that's you know a big reason why i did start going was because I had this other fig- this other person who I trusted in my life telling me that it was a positive experience. And I, I didn't really know that many people in my life at that time who had gone to therapy and could give me like positive experiences about it. You know, I just kind of knew what I knew from popular culture and not even from like actual research that I did online. Right. I'm not going to lie. You're the, you're the only like maybe fourth or fifth person I told I was going to therapy. Um, but you know, once I saw that, like, you were going, it was helping you, you were like, dude, like, thank you so much for telling me to go. That's kind of when I became more open to telling people. Oh, really? To the point where, like, we're on that Discord with all of our old yeah. uh, college friends, right? And it's like 30 of us. And, like, I've been very open on there about, like, about people going to therapy and my own issues. But I think part of the reason that I became more open about it is because I was able to talk to you, That's tell awesome. you, hey, man, get some, like, you know, you should look for some help. I'm getting a little emotional. Oh, no, here. this is going to cry. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah no I keep talking I I had only told uh my my ex girlfriend my girlfriend at the time um you know my sister uh maybe CJ uh one, one of our college friends yeah. I don't think I told anybody else and then uh once you were like hey you know uh this has been really helpful for me uh I felt like oh this is like a thing that I should be sharing with people because it could help them as well you know yeah I mean yeah I you know when I first started the first six months of going all, the only people who knew were like you. My, you know, my girlfriend at the time, maybe that was it. Maybe just cool, Elizabeth. Yeah. People. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't, I, I purposely didn't tell my family because I, I'm, I'm an oldest sibling, and so like part of it was like I felt like I needed to protect them from everything that was happening, and like, sh- like going to therapy at the time felt like weakness, you know. Yeah. And like, and then, and if I was weak, then I couldn't protect them from whatever was happening, but. Uh, they they now know and and now it's something that I talk about all the time because I think it's so important. I I didn't tell my parents for for years. Um, honestly, the only reason I told them was like we were on a trip together, and I was like, hey, you know, I'm really happy to be on this trip with you guys, but like if I'm kind of bummed, 
Just letting you know. You know, I've had a little bit of issue with some some anxiety, some depression. Not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Um, I don't want to ruin the trip. And that's actually why I was like, I don't want to ruin the trip. So I was like telling them so they would know that like, I'm not there to ruin the trip. I want it to be like a good trip for them. I'm just kind of warning them ahead of time. Right. Um, but I had a lot of, I didn't want to tell my parents either because I think that that generation is a little bit tougher to talk to about, um, you know, and like they know me in the same way that all of you guys know me, like super happy, go lucky, always excited, always passionate. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the idea that that turns off sometimes is like this is just kind of wild to them. Right. So that was a little bit hard to get to get to the point of, of sharing with them. And, you know, even now, I don't really talk about it that much with with anyone in my family. Yeah, it's hard. A little hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want them to worry about you either. So it can be hard. Oh, of course. Right. That, you don't you don't want them to worry about you because, you know, when it comes down to it, your parents, are your parents. Right. Like they want what's best for you. And if they know that you're having tr- trouble, they want to, like, help. They want to they want to be there for yeah, you. Yeah, it's true. So one of the biggest. uh skills that I got from therapy was like learning how to self-soothe and this is like a term I think that's used a lot with like babies but it's something that like it's the tool that I like use the most I think that I've learned and it's like you know trying to figure out like when I'm like upset like why I'm upset and how to like make myself feel better about it or like calm down from like a high of like being really upset or you know um angry about something is there a skill that that either of you learned through therapy that that helps you like a lot or the most maybe i think one of my favorite things is you know you're kind of like in your own life you're like really deep in the weeds and there's a lot going on and i think it's just really helpful to step back from your own life and kind of look at everything with somebody else and like I, I really value when my therapist can see something a little bit differently than how I've been looking at it. And it's almost like kind of taking you out of where you're standing and shifting your vantage point on how you think and look at your own life. And then maybe opening your eyes to a way that you could be thinking about it a little bit differently and changing your perception about what's going on or maybe recognizing something that you hadn't recognized before. And I think that can kind of help you solve problems or like move forward from things or become kind of unstuck from a pattern of thinking so that's something that i appreciate about a therapy like a therapy session i'm actually working on that right now so working on what uh the whole idea of like better self-soothing so um so so uh my strategy before was that i would like lose myself in my hobbies and that would be like a really awesome like so ultimate or soccer or tennis or disc golf or all things that I love doing. And they're all, they're all these like awesome distractions. So I'm gone for an hour or two and all I'm focused on is like the game, right? All I care about is the game. So leading up to it, I have, you know, whatever negative thoughts are in my head or positive thoughts, right? Then just the game, it's a blank space in my life. And then they kind of come back in afterwards. Right. Um, you know, we, we could talk about this if you want to, I don't care. Like, I have like the worst injury history ever. And like, I've kind of watched like this, this uh, has disappeared from my life over the last like, couple of weeks. And it's probably gone for a while now. So now I am a little bit more focused on no longer using that like distraction technique. I need to like actually build up this technique of how do I deal with these like horrible mental issues that are going on without just like having this hour or two of respite throughout my day. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like doing a better job throughout the day of, of handling it. I can totally agree. Or I can totally relate to that. When I was younger, I used to do the same thing with Ultimate. I was really serious about it. And, you know, there was kind of a lot going on. And I would really throw myself into Ultimate as almost a distraction. And then, you know, one, that kind of insp- one of the, was inspired one of the reasons... That was one of the reasons that inspired me to step back a little bit because I really just wanted to focus on actually kind of dealing with what, like where I was in my life and what I was going through. And I needed to focus on my own self growth instead of just like using ultimate kind of as a tool, as a distraction or as a crutch maybe. Yeah. So I understand that a lot. Yeah. Have you like, so some of the things that I do um, instead of, you know, to self soothe are like, I'll write in my journal and just like have my thoughts on paper. Right? Me too. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that I do is I, I I'll play music and that's like mm. a, a big way to get like feelings out. Um, mm-hmm. What are what I just are, like yeah. fight with my boyfriend? I pick a fight with my boyfriend usually. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's so sweet. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, we don't. Uh, I don't do that. Um, what are what are your what what have you been learning lately and what has been working for you? So this is going to sound really lame, but I still find like the most joy in competition. Mm. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, I picked up like kind of video gaming more a little bit as like a way to kind of like scratch that itch. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's not, uh, it doesn't solve my problems, but it, it gives me that like kind of like hit of, of dopamine that I kind of need to, to get to like get to that better place where that I could be more open to chatting with my girlfriend about it or you know honestly i do a lot of research all the time like i'm always like reading academic papers which again sounds super lame but no it um, doesn't no, I don't think it sounds but lame. like it's it's just science a thing. is never lame but like it's a thing that helps right because like yeah. I, it, it's good to see that you know according to this study uh you know out of 1,000 participants, 58% of them feel the same way that you do right <laughs> and and that's that's really soothing on its own to know that like I'm not just like the, 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 these, these problems that I'm having are not just anecdotal. They're yeah. like, they're part of the human experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that's, I'm kind of trying to educate myself more as a way to help myself out as well. Interesting. Yeah. So you were saying, you're talking about how science is really soothing to you earlier. And I want to tell you that one of the things I appreciate about you the most is that you're like a very scientific person. And whenever I ask you a question, whether it's like about therapy or like, the environment or, or hybrid cars or hybrid animals, you know, you always tell me. Ligers that. are real, dude. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure of it. I, there's no, no, no it's true. No, it's they are real. Yeah, they yeah. are real, right? Yeah, okay, they I want to make sure. Real. I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, they but, are. Yeah, but one of the things I appreciate you is that you always give good facts that I can like make good conclusions off of. And that's like, hard in a time where everybody's telling bullshit and i you know yeah, i really I, appreciate that i i think that it's it's also because like liz and i both have access to man this is a whole other discussion but liz and i have access to like academic journals through the universities that we work for um that allow us to like see these facts that are not accessible to the average person because otherwise you have to pay 45 dollars to see each finding yeah um so shout out to the open science movement. Shout out to the European Union for making open science a uh, requirement and any grants that they fund. Um, and this is not related to this podcast whatsoever. But shout out to open science. <laughs> Can we start? Let's start. Maybe we should start by like talking about how you got into Ultimate. Yeah. So I used to be okay at soccer back in the day. You were really good at soccer. I was. Yeah, okay. was I was very, okay. He was very good at soccer. Um, I was a goalie. 
uh, you know, I was recruited to like a bunch of schools, um, including the one that we went to. We went to. Um, Though to be fair, our school was terrible. No, was, Buffalo was pretty good at the time. Was they it a good school? They don't even have a soccer team anymore. They got cut. Oh, they no. cut the soccer team from the budget. But either <laughs> way, um, they're they're pretty decent. Um, I wasn't on scholarship or anything like that, but I was I was recruited by the, the coach to reach it out and, and basically like so like come play for us. So, uh, but either way, so you know, I had this vision for my entire life, like I'm gonna go play college soccer and it's gonna be awesome. And uh, you know, even when I didn't like soccer that much, I still had like the the goal set, like I'm gonna play in college and it's gonna be sweet. Um, <laughs> then I uh, had really really debilitating scoliosis. Uh, to the point where it was progressing at like a couple degrees per year. Um, if you look at my back, it looks like a giant. It looked like a giant like snake. It was wild, um, and it was getting like really bad really quickly to the point where they're like, "We have to do surgery within the next year, or else like you know you're gonna have issues where your spine is gonna push up against your lungs, or it's gonna like cause it. It could like literally you know cause fractures and stuff like that inside your back." So uh, I ended up having to get surgery at the end of my freshman year. And knowing that was the case, I was like, well, I'm not playing soccer anymore. I won't be able to bend over. So I went to the Frisbee tryouts outside of my apartment or outside of my dorm. Um, and Because you don't have to bend over in, in Frisbee. In my, fr- in my first year, you could do whatever you want, right? Like I, I could still bend. Um, and I did not like it. <laughs> You wait. You didn't like frisbee. No, I stopped going for like three weeks. I don't. I didn't know that. Um, Yeah, and I went to I went to club soccer, and also like I played club soccer for a couple weeks, and I played club tennis for a few weeks, and um, then I was like, you know, this isn't really doing it either. I don't like the people as much as I like the people in Ultimate. So I went back, and uh, here we are today. Wow. Wow. Um, Yeah, and then you know I ended up getting the surgery after my after my freshman year. I grew three inches. That, and like it, it very much helped his frisbee game just fyi well no it didn't i i used to be able to I, I used to be able to like dunk a basketball i can't even i can't i can barely touch rim now like <laughs> yeah um so I, I did lose a lot of speed lost a lot of athleticism lost a lot of ups lost a lot of everything right which which sucked um but at the same time you know the community was really supportive and everyone uh was like I, it was nice to be valued for something beyond just my my athletic skill set which was cool um and you know gave me time to develop and become a, a halfway decent player you know so not good but halfway decent so yeah mark's really good at ultimate yeah yeah he's good at ultimate and soccer still. i mean we won the yale graduate school intramural, intramural championship, championship so go forestry a school that neither one of us is part of <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was oh you were oh, yeah, yeah i, I was you working were. there you yeah were, you were i was not um, but yeah, so that's, you know, that's like just one of, oh man, like dozens of injuries, name a part of the body. I've, I fractured it or tore something in it or sprained it or left elbow. Actually, that's no joke. I, uh, <laughs> no I have, way. yeah, I, I chipped the bone in my elbow. Ow. Um, I was playing basketball in a basketball league and I got pushed into the back metal oh thing and I went elbow first and I cracked <gasps> part of the elbow oh, no. and oh, then gosh. I ended up playing through it oh, for a little God. bit. Okay. So this is another, another, uh, thing with Marcus. He has like a crazy <laughs> pain tolerance. And so like he always gets injured and like plays through the pain. Yeah. It's like. Liz remembers this. This I, is my impression of Mark. Ow! My don't leg! Don't scream into the microphone. <laughs> oh, injury, injury. I'm fine, I'm fine. I'll, I'm going to go back in now. <laughs> it's, it's the soccer player in me. You know, take the dive, come back out. 
But no, I mean, like, Liz, you remember this? I remember, oh my I, remember I, broke I, my, I broke my wrist and then I played ultimate. I broke my throwing wrist and I played ultimate for five weeks with it. Oh my God. And every time I threw a flick huck, I'd have to throw the flick huck and then I would immediately sub out. Because oh my it hurt God. Too much. Like. After five weeks, I was like, hey, like, I should see, like, why this sprain hasn't been healing. And I went in and they're like, man, your arm is like broken oh my god so i ended up being in a full arm cast for Wait, eight weeks when was this i don't remember this uh, at all i don't know maybe three three or four years ago i don't remember you being in an arm cast at all yeah i had a huge purple arm cast it went oh all the way up to my god. shoulder but i broke it in oh uh in in winter league <sighs> and then i like just kept playing for a few weeks oh that's horrible i mean even like you know i, I i've had too many injuries do you now. remember when we were on the same winter league team and i was excited to see you so i ran and jumped on you and oh i forgot God. that you had metal rods all through your back oh and i hurt you so bad you couldn't play oh yeah that's game. what we're talking about too the, the surgery that i, I got on my so back was bad. my entire back is now fused together with like metal rods so it's don't cool. jump on there's Mark actually a really cool x-ray maybe we should have yeah we should have wait we'll is, have it, on, on the is it on the uh, ultimate anger ready I should have shared what I shared by my. Uh, I think it might be already on the, the, the Instagram tattoo, the already. tattoo yeah. on, on my back. Yeah. So tell us about um, your tattoo. Yeah. So I have a like a zipper going over the scar now. I wanted to get it the whole way down. That was the plan. Um, but the issue is that I don't know if you guys know this, but tattooing scar tissue is like really, really hard and unbelievably painful. I only know that because you told me. I didn't know that. Yeah. Before. So so. Uh, you know, what would have been a tattoo that would have taken like two hours and I'm taking like four. Um, Jeez. and like, I was like bleeding really bad <gasps> oh and it was, oh my it, was, it was rough because they had to go over the scar tissue like six or seven times Ooh. to get, to get the ink to stick. Right. Um, and I realized like doing this the entire length of my back just not worth is it. not feasible. It just will not work. Um, and also, you know, there are obvious fears that like I've seen friends, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever met, uh, Ramo Jersey. He used to play for UConn. No. But he has the same surgery as I do. And no. he uh, literally on a layout one time uh, broke one of the metal rods in his back. <sighs> Had to get the surgery again. Oh, so, my gosh. So, you know, obviously I have a fear that I have to do that at some point. Because Mark lays out all the time. Mark do, lays out all the I time. I lay out yeah. a lot. I have a hard no laying out rule. <laughs> and Mark has a hard I lay out pretty much for all the time rule. Honestly, I try I <laughs> try not to lay out. no laying out rule. <laughs> yeah. I lay out How did you make this team? <laughs> Because they because of the watermelon. The wa <laughs> it all comes back to the watermelon. Sorry, I, I try not to lay out. I just can't help it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like the goalie inside. I've been a goalie since oh, I was like I try, years I try not to lay out bit. and then don't. It's awesome. <laughs> oh my god, Nick. So yeah, I, I I do lay out probably too much, but some of them look sick. They do. Some there are some cool pictures cool. out there. Yeah, you have, you have, you look good. You look <laughs> okay. good. You look you look you look you look good. I look I look. I look um, but yeah, so either way, I got the tattoo on there because it was kind of like a reminder. It's my first tattoo, actually. Um, I have another one now. I'm getting a third one soon. Um, Wait, what's your third one going to be? Uh, so, so one of the one of the best uh, ways I think about dealing with mental health, actually. Ooh, I love this. I love. I love bringing it. Yeah, bringing it back. Um, is uh, there's this old saying um, from uh, the native the natives of the Midwest. Okay. Um, and they say, uh, be like the buffalo and not like the cow. Oh, that's and awesome. the reason for being like the buffalo and not like the cow is when there's a storm coming, what cows will do is they'll either sit down or they'll try to outrun the storm. And like, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know how storms work and how cows work, but they like basically never are able to outrun the storm. Right. 
So they're actually in the water for a little bit longer. Um, oh, and they're, they're rained on for, you know, whatever, an hour, right? Yeah. Um, what buffalo do is they see the storm coming and then they turn their heads towards it and they sprint at it. Oh my gosh. Oh. And what they wow. do That's is, they, goosebumps, is the they, they run through the rain. And so, yeah, they're going to get wet too, but they're going to get wet for a little bit less time. Oh, I love that. So, That's so cool. So uh, the, the, the idea is be like the buffalo, not like the cow. Um, take on the storm when it comes at you instead of running away from it. And it'll be over with sooner. That's um, really awesome. I so love that. It'll probably just be, I think I'm just going to get like a buffalo's head on there. Um, and just going to say like, be like the buffalo underneath it. And you went to Buffalo. I did go to Buffalo and I uh, go Bills. Go uh, Bills. Go Sabres, but they suck. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, that, that that's a cool connection too. But even if that wasn't the connection, I think it's just like a really, uh, a really good motto for, for life and, and facing challenges that you have every yeah. day. So I like that. I like yeah. it too. So another, another thing theme that we talk about is, is like failure and what a question that That's I my like middle name is, yeah. What's your, what's your relationship with failure? Where to begin, man, you're asking these like really big questions. Yeah. I mean, um, welcome to the because, ultimate ink podcast, because I, baby. Because I know that you can answer them. Yeah. I know. Wow. You, you, because you know that I can answer questions about failure. That's pretty cool of you. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, we talk to everybody about failure because we both think that you can't get to the highest level of something. You know, you can't get your PhD from Yale like you have, or you can't become a superstar athlete if you're not comfortable with putting yourself in situations where you might not necessarily succeed or where you're not good at something and you have to figure out how to improve and get better. You just can't get to these places that you've gotten to if you can't fail and move forward from that. Yeah, I think I think that I actually have a really good relationship with failure. Not just because I have a lot of experience doing so, <laughs> um, but I mean, I was I was kind of raised um, by by my parents to to see like issues that are happening in your athletic career or in your academics or you know eventually in your professional life, and to see like these issues that are happening, and instead of like trying to avoid them, like take them on, right? Like like take these issues figure out what the core problem is of those issues and like fix them. So whenever I fail, I try very hard not to like let it hurt me emotionally. Um, I mean, obviously it does, right? But I try my best to make sure that doesn't happen. And instead, um, I'll say, hey, you know, what can I learn from this experience so that the next time I face the same obstacle, I can fix it, right? So I could give a lot of examples. I mean, Liz can speak to this as well. But, you know, if you're in a in a PhD program, it's basically uh, just a five or six year course in how to not do something for five years and then get it right once. <laughs> right. Uh, so so I have been up in the lab until three o'clock in the morning, more times than I can count running an experiment or doing an analysis and finding out that my six months of work led me to data that means nothing. Right. That sucks. It really does. And it like. It's like emotionally draining, but eventually you just learn that like this is how it goes and you get a little bit better at the experiment next time or you get a little bit better at reading about how to do this analysis next time. Um, and and by the end of five or six years, like you hopefully succeed, right? You defend a dissertation, you become a doctor and you move on with your life to something else. Um, so, I mean... That by itself is a really good example. I mean, in sports, I just talked about all my injury issues, right? Um, you know, I've had 
three concussions. I've broken each foot three times. I've broken six of my ten fingers. Um, that's too many. I've I've only I've only broken one bone ever. Maybe I'm just not like adventurous enough. I don't Which know. bone did you break? Which bone did you break? My my fourth metacarpal on my right hand. I broke my pinky toe at a beach tournament a few weeks ago. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is it still black and blue? Oh, it was so gross looking. I'll show you a picture. Do you want to kiss my pinky toe to make it better? I do not want to do that. No, yeah. you're somewhere. No, man. Oh. <laughs> kiss smells, my pinky toe. horrible. <laughs> my feet are pretty Have stinky. You showered? I did, because Nick made me yesterday. That's fair. Yeah, we, we live in New York City. It's dirty outside. <laughs> <laughs> it okay. smells weird here. That's the thing that I've learned since moving here. There's a yeah. smell. So I didn't, I didn't think Even that through that your was, mask, there's a smell. I didn't think smell. that that was true until I like went other places. I was like, there's oh, the distinct I, I smell. Guess, I guess. Yeah. But it's just New York. Um, people sorry. are like, oh, yeah, if this many people, like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Tokyo is the cleanest city in the world and it has the most people. So that's not true. <laughs> we're just dirty. <laughs> Americans are dirty. Yeah. Yeah, we're just dirtiest people, though. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Talking about your injuries. Oh, yeah. I mean, but even right now, you know, I. I recently found out that I have what's called degenerative disc disease. Oh, and goodness. Wait, did, have that? you been officially diagnosed with this? Or this is, uh, is this, this is self-diagnosis. Well, so so this is a um, this is a I finished my MRI and they're like, you probably have LDDD. Mm. Um, and I'm going actually going to the doctor in about three hours from now. And we're oh, going to talk man. about like good luck, pain tolerance and, and surgical options. But um, mm. but either way. So. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not officially diagnosed, but the MRI uh, whatever the the radiologist basically told me that's what it was what is that um so it's a thing that affects people that are like like 70 Aww. um so what happens is like over time you uh so, so going back to my back surgery right my entire uh every single vertebrae in my back except for three of them are fused together with a metal rod so all of the bending and stuff i do happens with just three vertebrae wow what uh what happens is that like since all that stress is going on to those it starts to create like wear and tear on oh them. no and then what will happen is like basically they'll like the discs will like, start slipping out of place or um you know they, they become less able to to brunt the forces of like running and jumping um and which which stinks uh and what happens it, this it, it isn't that rare though so in uh, you know, I obviously I did the research and I read through some studies, but in people that had my kind of surgery, Nerd. yeah, I know. But people that had my kind of surgery between the ages of like 14 and 20, so I had it at 18, um, they get this disease within 10 years of the surgery oh. about 50% of the time. Oh, um, is this something that the, the doctors told you about when you were getting the surgery? Or Yeah, so I kind of already knew that I had this um, a couple years ago. Uh, they had mentioned it and they said like, Hey, we can fuse the rest of your back together. Um, or you can kind of keep pushing through the pain. Uh, it's about four or five years ago. And I decided like, I'm gonna just keep pushing through the pain. Um, because I really love playing sports and I love the community around ultimate and I love the community around disc golf and I love the community in soccer. And it's really important to me to, to keep that community going. Um, but you know, I think we're getting to the point where like, I might need to consider that option. Um, yeah, which absolutely. is a big bummer. Yeah. Um, because uh, you know, at this point I'm not really able to run anymore, which kind of sucks. So, um, but you know, that being said, you know, there's, it's, I'm trying to like get, I'm trying to like mentally cope with it 
over the last few weeks and it's been a little bit tough, but like it'll it'll get there, you know? Yeah. I think also like and I mean you kind of alluded to this at the beginning when you were like, I don't really I didn't really like Ultimate, but I really like the people, so I came back. Like the Ultimate community is always gonna be here for you and we're not going anywhere. And even if like you can't come out and play in the same way that you used to, like nothing's gonna change in terms of your place in the community. Oh no, I I I that's like the thing I appreciate most, right? Is that you know, if I want to stay in this community, I still can. I yeah. can go. I can go uh, coach. Or oh I can, yeah. I used to, I used to coach it. Yeah, like I coached Superfly That's for a few right. years. That was a lot of fun. Um, I can go coach. I can go. You know, join an executive board or something. Right. I could join Disc NY and, and help out with organization. You know, I don't need to play to be part of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which did take me a little while to like mentally get around. Right. It's really impressive to me that you you know it, it's been a couple of weeks and you're like you know, in a, in a much better place. No, no, you should have saw me like a month ago. It was, I mean, I, I did. Yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. Um, I was not in a good spot. I, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you talk, you know, for, we're athletes, right? When it comes down mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Like we're all part of this Alta community, but we're also all athletes. And for a lot of us, we tie our self-worth to like the value that we bring to the community. And for a lot of us, that value is in like scoring goals or throwing assists or getting D's. And when that value is taken away, you like question like, what is my value to the community anymore? Um, and you know, I had to rectify with my own self, like, you know, my value has been in scoring goals and throwing assists and getting D's, but like, that's not a value that I can really provide as much anymore. So like, if I want to be part of this community still, what is the value I provide? And so, you know, I have to think about that kind of stuff. And I think that all of us will at some point, right? We're not going to all be able to play forever um we all get old or hurt or sick or we just hate the sport and eventually and and you know it's yeah. it's a thing we all have to think about at some point yeah i mean i'm just thinking about a few years earlier than i wish yeah, i had for sure yeah me and liz talked a little bit about this during the pandemic about like how we would feel coming back to the sport or if we should i i was you know highly contemplating just retiring because i'm not as in love with the sport as i used to be and you know i'm not as in love with like I'm I'm not as in love with competing as a lot of other people in the sport are, and so I I wasn't sure that it was, you know, worth doing. But but I do appreciate that, like, you know, all of the people are still there, and and all of my friends who play ultimate, they don't care if I play ultimate or not. They just you know care that I'm a person and I'm happy, and I I really I really love that about the community. Yeah, I yeah. we we have that Discord. Uh, so me and Nick are part of a Discord with our our old college teammates. And on that discord, I put up there and I said, Hey, I think that my career is over. Um, I think I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to play, you know, competitively ever again. Um, and like, I just don't know what value I serve anymore. And like the first thing that happened was I got 10, 12 individual text messages from people saying like, Hey man, I love you. Your value to me was never the D's you got. It was like that you made, the times together are really fun and you're still doing that even though we don't play together right because like when it comes down to it these teammates you made in college or in club or you know that 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 dinky like 3v3 league that you randomly made up doesn't matter right all those people that you that you met over the over that time like they value you for your playing ability but if you're still in touch they also value you because you're just a good person to talk to mm-hmm. so finding value in those relationships is like so important and and 
understand the fact that like the community makes ultimate and that community doesn't stop existing is like super valuable when you get to this point where you're like, I just can't go anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think we all have inherent value just by being human beings, regardless of our playing ability. And we should remember that when we're judging ourselves or judging other people too. Yeah. I think people need to remember this like in general, not yeah. even just in Frisbee. In yeah, life. absolutely. In everyday life. I yeah. Mean, a lot of people don't know, don't, don't think about that. That being I, said, it is still sick when people like sky somebody else. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, that was awesome. Yeah. Like really cool. I value him currently a lot. A lot. Yeah. Because yeah. he's an awesome guy. When we were talking to Lindsay Sue's mom in our interview with Dr. Scotty, she said that like some, whenever you're on a team, like people br- bring all different kinds of things to the team dynamic. Like some people bring incredible playing ability. Some people make everybody laugh on the sidelines. Some people bring watermelon or hummus That's like Nicholas Ang here. And like, there's all different things that, and thinking about like the community in general, like there's all different things that we can bring to that in our own ways. And I think this is something that we love and something that's important to us. And we can all, I think there's a place for all of us to fit in to that and contribute in one way or another. And it doesn't have to be playing. It can be something totally different. Like just yeah. being here and talking on the podcast. I mean, I've, I've captained in club and in college and, and or not college. Sorry. I've captained in club um, <laughs> and uh, you know, coached in college. And um, you know, when you're making that decision on those final cuts, like, you know, you're picking a lot for team dynamic also. So we've chosen, I mean, we've chosen players to make our, our a, a squad over our B squad because they, yeah, they can play, but they also show the determination and grit, which is like valuable on its own, right? The ability to like want to get better. But in a lot of cases, like they also just bring this like energy and value to the team. That's like not based on, again, their play, but like you come to the sideline and they're the first ones over there being like, heck yeah, great, great play. You're doing so well. Like you'll get them next time, right? And like, even if they're not the best players on the team, they're, the value they bring to the team is like immense, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that luckily in ultimate people value that a lot, right? And it's not always the case in other sports, but in ultimate, when you're, when you're choosing these teams, you recognize that, that yeah, people's emotional state and their mental state is just as valuable as, as their ability to like get a cool layout grab. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Sure. Maybe is that why I always get cut from teams? Because I have a rotten attitude. <laughs> Probably. Well, I mean, it's also because we you still got to be like good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a you make some excellent points there, Mark. Ah, oh, thank you. Um, I think this is kind of an excellent place to end. Yeah, um, I think so too. Uh, one last thing that we always ask is. Do you have any good odds stories? I have so many. <laughs> Great. Oh man. Um, let me think of like the best one though. Yeah, take your okay. time. Yeah, take your, take time. your time. I guess I can tell one. I, I have I told I have I told any odd stories? I don't think podcast? so. So one odd story that I have. So we were playing this dice game at um home tournament one year which is this tournament that me and Marco to and all the alumni come back and we hang out in Niagara we Falls, hang out in Niagara and, Falls and we oh just play, we, we as an alumni team play all these college teams who like 
you know, are, they just started. They like, just they're started like split playing into teams, and like they just they've been practicing for three weeks. Oh my gosh. And so obviously we just wreck all these kids because <laughs> we're old people and we know how to throw frisbees and whatever. And so, but we go and we never have a first round game on Saturday, so we go to breakfast at this like grungy diner in Buffalo. Hey, not grungy. It's pretty great. I love that diner. It's they serve awesome. they serve Coors Light at nine a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we went this one year and we get there and the 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 there's a couple of rules at at this place for us and one of them is that the last person who gets there is not allowed to order their own food. The rest of the team, like if you're late, the the rest of the team orders food for you. Whatever. Oh my and so gosh. like one year, Bane got like he was last to get there and we ordered him a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> And a fruit bowl, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. At eight forty-five in the morning. Yeah, it was yeah. terrible. Um, but so we get there and we're all ordering. And I asked, like, "Oh, do you do you do beer at like eight o'clock in the morning?" She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Round for the table." So we like, you know, everybody drinks some beer. Um, and we do credit card roulette at the end. Oh my gosh! And so like twenty-five guys put in their credit card for credit card roulette. My credit card gets picked like early. I was like, "Thank God, I don't have to pay for this." And Pete odds me or he like rolls the dice. If I roll three, our friend Pete goes, if I roll three, you have to put your card back in with like six cards to go. And I go, Oh God. And he rolls a three. So my card goes back in and then his card gets pulled out. I go, if I roll a three, your card goes back in and this die was on fire. And so he goes back in too. And there's like, you know, five cards left at this point and both of ours get picked and we didn't have to pay. And it was awesome. Um, so that was great. You were pretty close. Yeah, I was I, I was definitely sweating in my trousers that oh, day. Oh, yeah. I, I do I have a related one to that, actually. Oh, yeah. So another one of our friends, uh, my freshman year, um, I went to dinner with a couple other uh, veterans. And, you know, we wanted, they wanted to do credit card roulette. And at that point, I my bank account had like maybe $7 in it. I don't know. <laughs> I had enough to pay for like the soup that I ordered. <laughs> French so, onion, by the way. So uh, they, oh my God, French onion's the best kind of soup and anybody who says different is wrong. Um, there's bread and cheese in it. Come on. So, so, um, so he, you know, he die rolls me and I have to, to put my card in for credit card roulette. Um, and if I didn't do it, by the way, the rest of the table's like, we're just going to pay ourselves, you know? So, because he die rolled me, I had to put my card in for credit card roulette. Thank God, he his card ended up being picked, and he paid for all of our meals. Awesome. So by by making me do this, he ended up losing out overall. <laughs> it was pretty great. I honestly so don't funny. mind. I got to keep that seven dollars for later on, nice. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty great. What'd you spend it on? Probably more soup. <laughs> Dude, I love soup. Soup is the best food. If I had to go to Desert Island with one food type, it would be soup. What if the island was really hot? Gazpacho. What is it about soup that you like so much? It, it's it's its own thing. It's everything. It's filling. it's first it's of all cereal soup. So that's like one. Oh god. Uh, there's breakfast soup. Oh, this is like a whole. Oh this no. whole thing. I, and then, we sandwich. are gonna okay. cut that. Yeah. Hey, Mark. This was really great. Thanks for uh, thank you this. so much for coming. Yeah, thank on you the guys podcast. for having me. Corn chowder <laughs> no, is great. Stop. Okay, I, turn I, I it off. Beef stew. <laughs> turn it off. It's like thick. a thick soup. No. <laughs> Ramen. Japanese soup. I love you, Mark. We love you, Mark. Vietnamese soup. Goodbye. All right. See you guys later. Um, other soups are. <laughs> thanks. Um, we love you. Uh, today's episode. Thanks for listening. This is Nick. And Liz. And that's Mark. Dumpling soup. No! And today we are sponsored by uh, Campbell's Chicken <laughs> no, Noodle we're not. Soup. No, we're not. Just turn off <laughs> um, the stupid we thing. Love you all. Turn Good it night. off. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Okay, we're going to cut it all this out, so it's fine. <laughs>